To make your kiss incomplete I wanna talk to you When life reaches out and takes you Welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Stevie Wonder Classics. Today we'll be talking about Never Dreamed You'd Leave in Summer from the album Where I'm Coming From, released on the 12th of April 1971. Uh, on the track, it is just Stevie Wonder, uh, but it was written as all the songs were on this album by Sirita and Stevie. The track is 2 minutes 53, and joining me to talk about today is Antu. Hello, Antu. Oh, uh, hey, Darren. Yeah, I think it's interesting that like the subject of this is like, you know, I never dreamed you'd leave in summer, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, by the time you know, Sirita and Stevie got divorced, it was the following February. Um, so, I, d- I also, I, d- I, don't, I don't know that this is actually kind of related to their relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot more songs after this point that are kind of about their divorce. And obviously there are songs before this that were kind of explicitly about their relationship, uh, in particular, you know, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. And so it's, it, I, this feels kind of, it's more a kind of just generic, you know, song about somebody... Uh, just leaving um, during an incon <laughs> during an inconvenient season is that what you know the influence I, I mean this is something obviously I, you know I've talked about on a number of tracks but I feel the influence of Sirita is kind of here where mm-hmm. uh, the structure of um, you know uh, the kind of talking about summer and then talking about springtime and then talking about autumn um, like each each verse is just kind of about a different season. Uh, and and that's kind of uh, you know a, a classic kind of poetic structure, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's something that you know the songs that Stevie writes without Sirita after this point you know like on the next few albums, um, his his kind of the kind of subject matter is you know not I would say simpler but um, it's kind of more direct, um, and also the kind of the the way that Stevie Wonder writes his songs is a bit more simple in terms of like the rhyme structure. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of verse chorus stuff, um, you know, if you like, I think some of the, the kind of the later stuff um, on in particular, like Inner Visions um, and also fulfilling this first finale where he, you know, practically nothing on that has her influence. Um, the kind of the lyrics are a bit more simpler in their structure, whereas this, you know, it, it's like if you if you look at the way that it's kind of it's put together, um, I wouldn't say complex, but there's certainly uh a, a, a very strong theme like you say of the of the seasons i would i would say and so it's like yes you're you're right like it his later work is probably a lot more direct like this is more metaphorical like it the whole it's has yeah. more de- literary devices in it in terms of like as yeah in terms of a song yeah and also like he, he starts off saying you know i never like the the i i you know i never dreamed you'd leave in summer is a line that gets repeated um, but it's repeated at different points. So, you know, it's the opening line of the song um, and then it's the third line of the second verse and it's the third line of the third verse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opening lines of those verses become, you know, you said there would be warm love in springtime and, you know, you said that there'd be life in autumn. Now, of course, uh, like those are, um, you know, for people living in the northern hemisphere, yeah. those things are kind of, you know, like autumn is not seen as a time when there is new life. That's springtime. Um, you know, and 
although springtime is warm, like the idea that it's, you know, that, that will be, there would be warm love in springtime feels a bit like kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. So it also feels like he's kind of mixing up like the, the, the different themes that you would expect for each of the seasons yeah. um, to kind of give it a, you know, a, a kind of a strong kind of poetic kind of, um, I don't know how you'd say, like just, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of interesting how things are being played with. Yeah. And like I say, to me, that feels like that is Sirita's influence. You know, she was obviously a few years older than him. Mm-hmm. And it feels like her maturity is is kind of influencing him in this song. You know, like, uh, I'm sure if we would take a look at the notes, I mean, you know, like the idea of you never leave in summer is probably something he came up with. And then the kind of the structure of the songs feels like something that she's probably put a bit of thought into. Um, you know, but I, I mean, one of the reasons why I really like this this whole album is just the fact that it, it it feels slightly different from the stuff that follows, just because the relationship with Cyrita was so strong at this point. The kind of melancholy of the song as well is something that's kind of interesting because, um, you know, Stevie Wonder uh, he kind of does very kind of like happy, upbeat, joyful songs, yeah. um, or he'll do, or it, I mean, you know, there's some of his songs that sound upbeat and joyful, something like "You Are the Sunshine of My Life." Yeah. If you if you listen to the verses, he's talking about how lost he was and alone. Um, so either he'll do happy, upbeat songs where, like, you know, you can't tell that they're not happy mm-hmm. and upbeat, or he'll just do happy and upbeat songs that are just happy and upbeat. I, I would say Sunshine is, like, ultimately optimistic, of course, because, like, that's the title of the song. And You know, he gets saved by Cyrita. That's, you know, that's the point of the song. But to any kind of casual listener, it just sounds like an upbeat ballad. Mm-hmm. Um and this is a song that you cannot mistake for being upbeat like it is <laughs> yeah. you know from the title onwards it is extremely melancholic and kind of longing and um you know it's it's just such a i mean just like the way that each of the lines are used mm-hmm. as well is kind of interesting you know like the fact that you know he, he thought someone would be back home um and he's talking about the cold would leave by summer but it, so like the again like the idea of the the seasons and the temperatures yeah. is something that comes back and back you know throughout this and you know but i, I spent my quiet but my quiet nights will be spent alone is it's kind of like, yeah very sad it's like oh okay. I, w- I would say yeah. it's probably yeah. the most depressing song with the word summer in the title <laughs> yeah um yeah, and of course, this this whole thing of like you know, you said you there be there be warm love in springtime. That is when you started to be yeah. cold. So it's like, you know, he he kind of gets an inkling that she's going to leave. You know, as early as springtime, um, and then of course that's when he says, "I never dreamed you'd leave in summer." Yeah, I, I uh, think but now I find myself all alone. I think what you like you were sort of touching on was like there's a lot of like inversions and contrasts. Like as in, yes, you don't really. A- a- expect life to come in autumn and yes contrasting warm love in springtime with the cold the coldness of her like emotions and stuff yeah it's it's very you would say this is very poetic Uh, which is obviously why it was chosen for the film poetic justice (laughs) uh starring janet jackson as a character i kid you not named justice um so who is a poet by the way that's why it's called poetic justice Wait. <laughs> Easily one of the world's greatest film titles. Do, do, have you seen um, that, or do you, I? I, I kind of no, liked, liked Poetic Justice personally. I have. I have not seen Poetic Justice. It fits into this weird kind of subgenre of films, which I, I like. Yeah. Is kind of like the, uh, you know, American uh, black independent movement, yep. like kind of that's that kind of followed Spike Lee. Um, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Boys in the it, Hood. And, it is a John Singleton film. So, Well, yes, but also stuff like uh, Just Another Girl on the IRT 
and um, uh, I guess also like uh, what's, what was that one? I'm trying. There's there's like th- there's there's like a, a mini genre of like four or five films that kind of followed Spike Lee's success, uh, kind of in the early '90s that were all this like kind of you know like just about. I mean, maybe something like Love and Basketball. Uh, you know, like there's a lot, there's a lot of them featuring men wearing no shirts who are like extremely muscled, mm-hmm. um, being romanced by uh, girls who, quite frankly, just don't have the time to be romanced by these men, um, and are just out there being strong, independent women. Um, you know, and the, it's just this weird kind of little subgenre. But no, I haven't seen Poetic Justice um, because the title is easily one of the <laughs> stupidest that's ever been. I actually like, need to rewatch it now. I'm like. To see yeah. if, like, the I mean, poetic justice is delivered. So I, I can't remember a lot of it because I, I was, like, in my early teens. I don't know that I can even buy Janet Jackson as an actress. I think that's maybe also one of the stumbling blocks. As in, you can't buy the premise of her, like, falling, like, portraying a character. As in, you can only see Janet Jackson. Yeah, I, yeah. I can only see, really, like, I, you know. There are, some, there are some singers who successfully make the transition into being actors. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't feel like Janet Jackson was ever one of those people. Um, you know, so it's it's just kind of weird to think about. Yeah, her. I, I think, uh, but mentioning... I think you're mostly right about that. As in, like time has shown, like we no one remembers Janet Jackson for any of her roles at all. Like maybe the Clumps, like at best. Was she in the Clumps? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, she's like she's the, yeah she's uh, yeah she's in the Clumps, like the the second Nutty Professor. If people don't know what I'm talking about, the Nutty Professor Two, the Clumps, that one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The Nutty <laughs> Professor Two not, clumps. Not, yeah, she was the love. Not any other. Not any other clumps. Just that one. <laughs> no, yeah. She. I think she like she was like a new character. Like because obviously the first film had like a different love interest, and I don't know what the hell happened there. But like, yes. We've got to bring in the Jackson money by bringing her in. Coincidentally, around this time, as we're recording this, uh, we have just gone past the 30th uh, anniversary of the release of Rhythm Nation. It was released on the 19th of September, 1989. Um, And that is Mm -hmm. probably, you know, obviously produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis of the time, who previously worked with Prince. So, you know, bringing it all back around. Um, All right, cool. So, (laughs) yeah, I think we should move away from this whole tangent. Well, I I mean, I'm only going to mention one Jackson briefly in passing because uh, Stevie Wonder obviously has spent a lot of the last decade playing at funerals of people who have died. Um, Jesus. He has. No, he seriously has. Depressingly true, yes. Yeah, Yeah. you know, he knew knew a lot of famous people. A lot of them have died in the last decade, and he's sung at a lot of their funerals. Um, and so uh, yep. he he did sing this song um, at Michael Jackson's memorial service in two thousand nine. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, kind which, of, which is where I heard it the first time. I'm not sure about you. So since you you never saw Poetic Justice, you would have <laughs> never had heard it in that film. So when did you hear this song for the first time, Darren? Uh, I don't know. Around the time that I started buying Stevie Wonder albums, which is probably about the year two thousand. Um, so hmm. you know, obviously the final the final line of the song is. Uh, why didn't you stay? Uh, which yeah. evidently was was what Stevie sang about Michael Jackson, um, and the answer was because he was addicted to drugs and he overdosed on those <laughs> drugs and he was accidentally killed by his doctor. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, it, it, actually watching the performance is actually quite touching because he like he cle- cle- clearly cared for the for Michael Jackson a lot. You know, they they did We Are the World together, and obviously Prince decided not to do We Are the World. Um, so, you know, once again, linking it back to Prince. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I would just say five out of five. It's a great song, you know. 
uh, it's kind of rare to hear Stevie be this melancholic. Um, and I, you know, I think we don't really kind of get this introspection and melancholy again until we get to fulfilling this first finale, and then we start to get some more kind of melancholic songs from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like at this point, you know, this is. He, I mean, the funny thing is, he's like twenty recording this song, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know, the kind of heartache that he's putting into it, and that you, f- you kind of hear through his vocal performance. It's kind of weird when you think about it being like a twenty-year-old who's basically at this point a millionaire, and you know, like. I, I don't know like he's in the he's also kind of just got married as well so he's like he's he's about as happy as he can possibly be mm-hmm. and yet he's recording this super melancholic song which you know obviously that's uh one of the things that stevie wonder is just good at is kind of you know if he's happy he doesn't just sing happy songs and if he's sad he doesn't just sing sad songs um but yeah, yeah he, is... he's a great musician he can play he it all play yeah. like sad happy whatever yeah. uh i'd also give it five out of five uh, it's, it's also yes like Thinking about the arrangement, like, this is, like, a pretty simple as hell arrangement for a Stevie Wonder song. There's, like, no horns, like, there's no, like, two to three guitars. There's not, like, it's just a piano and some strings and, I think, woodwind, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah I think piano. I think uh, it's the Funk Brothers that are doing the backing, um, which, mm. you know, includes any number of up to 120 unnamed setting musicians. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of people, but yeah, there's you know the arrangement and stuff as well is something that Stevie also did on this album. Like he arranged a lot of kind of string and horn stuff on some of the other tracks as well. Um, but yeah, it's just um, and then there was the, like the kind of only really significant cover I could find was by Joan Baez, um, mm-hmm. and you know it sounds pretty much like what you would expect if Joan Baez covered a melancholic Stevie Wonder song. Yeah. Stevie Wonder song. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much like the same arrangement almost as well, so it's no surprises. Yeah, uh, I just, I mean, I think the thing is the kind of melancholy feels a lot more authentic coming from Stevie, I would say, than Joan Baez. But, you know, that's maybe just because uh, I'm, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm not a Joan Baez fan, but I just don't really know her work enough to kind of uh, judge it properly. But it's, you know, it was okay cover version, but it just wasn't. Yeah, she does it justice. Like, she's not like phoning it in or whatever. (laughs) No, there are a lot of, coming up over the next few albums, there are a lot of Stevie Wonder covers that people do that are just terrible. So... You know, she's not in that category. Um, so uh, is there anything that you wish to plug onto? Uh, yeah, like go see Poetic Justice wherever you can, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, R2Comedy. So that's spelled A-N-H-T-U Comedy. Yeah, like tweet at me if you see Poetic Justice or whatever. Like, I know, I, I rest in peace, John Singleton as well, of course. Yes, of course. A great director. Sorry, I, I just also want to say, like, I think the the sad part of, like, Stevie Wonder playing all these people's funerals, like, is he, like, he was, he came before them. Like, he had influenced them, and he's, like, he's the, guy, the one that's still around. I think that's the sad part of, like, you know, watching all these, like, old rock and pop icons kind of, like, outlive their, the people who <laughs> they influenced and galvanized. Yeah, I, I mean, it reminds me a little tiny bit of uh, the Kennedy brothers because at John Kennedy's funeral, Ted Kennedy, not Ted Kennedy, sorry, at John Kennedy's funeral, um, Bobby Kennedy gave like the eulogy. And then a few years oh. later, Bobby Kennedy's funeral, Ted Kennedy gave the eulogy. Oh. And I was like, it wasn't a good decade for Ted Kennedy and we still had Chappaquiddick to come. So, you know, oh, like... Great. God. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter for this project at Stevie by Wonder. Thanks for being my guest here today, on too. 
Uh, no problem. I, I guess the team is back together. <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, goodbye. Right, bye. Bye.